following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Good morning, church. It's great to be worshiping with you this morning. I'm Kofi Manning, and this is my beautiful wife, Angelita Manning. We know that recent weeks and months have been challenging and very difficult with the uncertainty of the pandemic still going on and also racial and social injustice being at the forefront. It can definitely cause our hearts and our minds to be stirred and for us to just really have a difficult time with it. But one thing we do know is that God is still in control, that God refreshes and encourages our hearts. And the most important thing that I can do, and really for us all to do, is to remain close to God, clinging to Him during difficult times. My wife would like to share. Without a doubt, we are definitely living in some very challenging times. But my hope for everyone is that we are allowing our hearts and our minds to be open to the things in our lives that will help bring us peace and perspective. I personally started reading a book, a book entitled Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus being the glory of God. And I'm very grateful that God is using this book to help bring peace and perspective into my life as I better understand the deity of Jesus Christ, the excellence of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of Jesus, and the power of Jesus, and so many more things about his nature. God is helping to bring peace and perspective uh, to me during these very difficult times. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Great Father, we thank you so much um, for your grace, your love, your mercy, your peace. During difficult times, God, you still are a comforter to us, and you are always our provider. We pray, God, that our worship service is, pre- is pleasing to you and that many people are encouraged and um, they get to see you during such challenging times. We love you so much. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Enjoy the service. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you here on a Sunday morning. And it was so great to have Michael Burns with us this weekend. You know, I've been reading his book, Crossing the Line, and I so appreciate his kingdom perspective. Mm-hmm on race and culture. And as disciples, we may very well be in the world, but praise God that we are no longer of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not to say that we live perfectly or that we see perfectly or that we have a perfect understanding because we're imperfect people and we're all a work in progress. But as disciples of Jesus, we can see the world through a different lens and we can see life, all of it, through a kingdom lens. And that allows us to see with the eyes of Jesus and to be able to feel with the heart that Jesus has. So good morning, everyone. Uh, We were truly blessed this weekend. Uh, What an amazing Mm. time we had with the workshop. A lot of great learning. Um, And I'm just so glad for anyone that's joining us this Sunday. I know we've had a lot of people watching us and our prayer is that you will really see our family, even though you can't see our family, that you will feel our family. Um, I am so grateful for God's kingdom. You know, this morning I wanted to share about how important it is to me 
to have a kingdom view uh, and, and to not get pulled into a worldly view, uh, especially at this time. You know, right now I'm studying about how Jesus loved in the Gospels. I know for me, it's always important for me to go back to Jesus uh, when I, I need to uh, refocus my mind and my heart. You know, of course, his ultimate act of love was dying on the cross uh, so that my sins were forgiven. But he also loved me enough to leave me his kingdom, to give me a kingdom, a family of those that follow the king, um, of those that follow the king here on earth and in heaven. And just learning so much about his compassion and how amazing it is and that we can experience that actually through God's kingdom. You know, the, ki the kingdom for me isn't a place that I go to. The kingdom for me is where I live daily. It's a home. It's, it's a family. It's a safe place to rest. It's a safe place to view the world from. It's, it's God's community. And in the scriptures, it says that the kingdom is like a mustard seed. That when sown, it will grow up and become so large that the birds of the sky are able to make nests and live under its shade. The birds of the air find shelter in its branches. And I just love the visuals that Jesus gives us. You know, in my garden right now, everything has grown like crazy because we've had so much rain. Um, and my tomato plants are almost as tall as actually the structure that's around them. Uh, but there's no birds creating nests in them right now, as, as far as I can see. But we do have a tree in the front yard that we scooped up uh, many, many years ago, I think 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. We scooped it up. It was a little seedling. And then we planted it here in the front of our yard. And it used to be so small that we had to put rocks around it so the kids wouldn't step on it. And now it is so big that it's shading all of my plants underneath it. And there's nests and birds that live in it. And it's just incredible. It's been a, a miracle really to watch. And it really makes me think of God's kingdom. You know, God's kingdom can be that large and can provide a safe, pla a safe place to nest, a shady place for me to recuperate, a shady place, a shelter from the storm. You know, it's a place that I can express my heart my fears, my emotions, my pain. Uh, I, it's a place I can get direction, guidance, comfort, and even challenge to be my best for God. Hmm. Jesus says that in his kingdom, I can live in the shade of the mustard tree branches. And I hope that we all feel that way. Hmm. The kingdom is where I can get relief, you know, from the intensity of this world. I can cool off in order to face another day. I can sit back and reset my view from the shade of the kingdom. I can see the world for what it is and see things from God's perspective. The only perspective, honestly, that really matters is from the shelter of God's kingdom. You know, the questions that I ask myself right now is, you know, how is God viewing things right now? Mm -hmm. You know, what does his word reveal to me? You know, what is his word teaching me right now? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I lean <clears throat> on those in the kingdom with me? You know, what a gift we have to shelter in place uh, in God's kingdom. So, you know, for me, I don't want to forget how amazing it is, this kingdom of God. Mm. Let's not forget that together. You know, we don't need to be in a building to experience the kingdom. We don't have to be in a building to keep our kingdom perspective. The kingdom is actually what keeps each day in perspective. And we are his kingdom. There's a scripture that a lot of us know and are familiar with, but I just want to read it to you because I'm reading it from the Amplified and it just really hit me the other day. 
It says, but seek first, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. You know, Florence has a great, uh, a great perspective on the kingdom. And, and I think it's one that we really all need to have. We all need to understand a bit more about what God's giving man. So uh, in just a bit here, we're going to get into uh, what the kingdom of God is. And more important uh, than that, what the kingdom of you uh, is that we should all have as Christians. So Amen. let's have a great time in the Word today. Yes. All right. So let's go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 17. And uh, we'll get there in just a moment. Luke chapter 17. You know, to me, one of the most impressive and amazing things about Jesus is that he, he always seemed to know where people were at physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Jesus knew when people were doing well, but even more important, he knew when they weren't doing well. Jesus knew when people were hurting, when they were suffering, and when they were harassed and, and helpless, and, and when they were struggling. And I think it really affected him very deeply. And he never intended to leave them that way. He had a plan to get people to a better place. And, and not only did Jesus see where people were, but he also was able to see where they could be. And really, isn't that the vision that Jesus has for us? And it's one of the things that continually draws us closer to him. And just when we begin to, to feel a bit overwhelmed, and maybe we begin to lose sight of who we are or why we're here, Jesus lays this vision on us and he tells us, remember, I've got something much more for you. Much, much more. You're not stuck in the world. I've given you a way out, and I've promised you a kingdom. And that was the most important thing to him. You know, of all the things that Jesus talked about, you think about the many topics that Jesus spoke about, right? So there's, you know, an endless array of things that, that were always on his heart. But the thing he talked about the most was the kingdom of God. And he mentions it over a hundred times in the Gospels, in the book of Matthew, 55 times alone. When he began to preach, it was the first thing he said. We know from Matthew 4, verse 17, the Bible says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So as he began his ministry, he wanted people to know, There's something waiting for you. I've got something great for you. He was excited about it. He knew what this would mean. And I think the way Jesus viewed the kingdom was like a, like, like a grandparent with their grandkids. Now, I know that because I am one, and more important than that, I'm married to one. And let me tell you something. If you want to engage my wife, Florence, in a conversation, ask her about our granddaughters. There will be no shortage of words, praise, love, excitement, and plans. Now, look at the way that Jesus felt about the kingdom of God. And I see the same thing. I mean, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, he said, this is good news. He was excited to get that out. He said, seek it first. Now, he also said it's a challenge for the rich to enter because you're going to have to really think through this. There's a cost account. 
But then he said it's also forcefully advancing. He said, unless you change, you won't be able to get in. I mean, he talked about it all the time, and he described the kingdom in so many different ways. A farmer sowing seeds, treasure in a field, a wedding banquet, a man on a journey, a merchant looking for fine pearls, a king settling accounts with his servants, virgins meeting a, a bridegroom, and it just goes on and on and on. But what does all of that mean? What exactly is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? Well, from a physical perspective, a kingdom makes a lot of sense. You've got land. You've got borders around that land. And then you've got a king who's in charge. I think we, we get that. But from a spiritual perspective, the kingdom of God is a bit more complicated. We do have a king, Jesus. But where's the land? What are the borders? Where's the treasure, the seeds, the pearls, the banquets? Where does the journey fit in? You know, for all that Jesus had to say about the kingdom, he never seemed to clearly define it. It's kind of like talking to an old sage. You know, one of these people that's been around for, for forever and they seem to know everything about everything. And oftentimes when you talk to somebody like that, they won't come right out and give you a straight answer. They just meander around and they want you to figure it out. Now, when he was pressed by the Pharisees about the kingdom and what it meant and when it was coming and who was in it and what it was all about, he had this to say. So we're in Luke 17, beginning with me in verse 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom, I'm sorry, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And I bet they had a hard time with that. What does he mean? Well, the, the Greek word for the phrase in your midst is this, this word entos, and it means among. So think like in the neighborhood of. It's, it's all around you. And so Jesus is telling these Pharisees that are looking for, for him to say, you know, that's it over there, right behind the rock. He's saying, no, look deeper. It's all around you. It's God without borders. So, so what is it? Is it physical? Or is it spiritual? Well, the answer is, is both. Because it's a whole new order of life. Now, let's take a look at the spiritual side of the kingdom. It's the reign of God. It's the rule of God. It's the, it's the majesty of God. It's the sovereignty of God. It's all the, the, the power of God, all the glory of God. It's the wisdom and the, and the justice and the providence and the supremacy and the, and the will of God. It's, it's really all of God in motion. It's how God works. It's how God sets things up. It's how God directs us and encourages us and inspires us and, and motivates us. It's how God convicts us and, and challenges us. It's how when, when one door closes, another seems to open up. It's God in control of all things. It's the kingdom of light. It's all things past, present, future, in submission to God's word and his will. 
That's the spiritual kingdom. But now we know there's also a physical side to the kingdom. It's the part of God that, that we get to actively participate in. And in Matthew 16, chapter 16, in verse 13, and uh, you can get there if you like or just listen. Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to build this, this, this church, this ecclesia, this, this, this group of people. The word ecclesia, by the way, doesn't mean stained glass windows and, and red carpet and pews. It just means a, a group of people called together for a purpose. It can be used, and back then was used in many other um, conversations besides just spiritual. It was a very common word. So what he's telling Peter is, I'm going to build a following, a group of people. And Peter, you're going to have the keys. And this thing that I'm building is going to be part of the, of the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. But Peter, you have a very important part of this. I'm giving you the keys. And so I don't know if Peter understood at the moment what that was, but he, he found out pretty, pretty quickly after that. And uh, scripture most of us are familiar with in Acts chapter, 30, or Acts chapter 2, rather, beginning in verse 36. This is Peter preaching a message. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what do we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so they, they were baptized into Christ. 3,000 people responded. This is the key that Jesus gave Peter. But they were also baptized into the body of Christ. So yes, it was into the death of Jesus, but we also read another parallel scripture. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And we were all baptized by one spirit, and that's the spirit that we saw back in Acts chapter 2, we were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So back in Acts 2, that message uh, and that baptism was just for the Jews, but later on there was a baptism uh, also for the Gentiles, but it was the same spirit. 
And so what Jesus was doing, he was building a family. Just a little bit further down in verse 27, Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so what Jesus was building was a family. And that was the flesh and blood. That was us. And so it's the body of believers. It's who we are together in Christ. That's the physical part of the kingdom of God. It's not perfect in what family is, right? But we're all, we're all working together on trying to get to a better place. But we do have an amazing family here in Southern Connecticut. We have an amazing family worldwide. And when God does something, he does it big. When Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, something doesn't quite seem to fit in. And maybe it's a little confusing. And we see it here in Matthew chapter 13. Florence alluded to it, but we see the actual scripture right here. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So why a mustard seed? Why would Jesus describe this amazing kingdom of God that encompasses all of God and now pulls us in as, as his family? Why would he describe it as something small? Can anything connected with the kingdom of God be small? Well, we say, okay, well, maybe it's the church. Yeah, it was small then, so maybe that was it. And that would be a good guess, but that would be wrong because at the time that Jesus said that, the church didn't yet exist because that wasn't until Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> so that's not really what he meant. And he didn't say, will be like. He said, the kingdom of God is. So it was as he spoke, it was right then and there. What was he talking about? I think he was looking at the individual hearts. He knew that eventually they would all come together and they would be this, this, this church. But at that time, they, they weren't there. They were still scattered. And he's looking at those individual hearts. If there's any smallest smallness to the kingdom of heaven now, it's probably on our part. Certainly not God's. It could be our faith in it. Maybe how much we understand it or value it. Or appreciate it or believe in it or maybe how much we're inspired and motivated by it or maybe even how surrendered we are to it how important is the kingdom of God to you how big a part of your life is it you know within that that body component component that we saw in 1st Corinthians 12 within that that body the us is you and God can be doing all these amazing things around us, showing us his glory and his supremacy and his majesty. And God can be proving that he rules and that, that he reigns. But the question is, how much are you connecting with it personally? Is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven for you bigger than life or still just a mustard seed? In your daily life, in your daily grind with all that you have to wrestle with right now. Where is the kingdom of God? Where does it fit in? What role does it play? Are the events in our world right now increasing your appreciation for the kingdom or shrinking it? 
Look, we are living in unprecedented times, literally not knowing what will happen week to week, month to month. And I know it can be very unnerving. It certainly is for me. But it's imperative that we keep a kingdom of God focus and we stay faithful to that. Because if there's one thing that can shrink the glory and the majesty of the kingdom of God, it's a shrinking faith. And every time your faith takes a hit, the glory and the majesty of God's kingdom becomes a little smaller. And we can begin to lose sight of just how big and powerful and, and, and mighty God is. And what was at one time this, this awesome driving force in your life. Man, I'm in the kingdom of God and, and it's forcefully advancing and I'm, I'm forcefully advancing with it. Can begin to cool off. And you cool down a bit. And maybe God doesn't seem quite so inspiring or exciting anymore. And maybe God doesn't seem to work anymore. And the next thing you know, the, the kingdom of God for you is a mustard seed. And maybe that's happened a little. Maybe for some it's happened more than a little. And the belief that my Jesus, he will fix it, becomes weaker. But here's the good news. A mustard seed can grow. Your view, your appreciation, your, your faith in God's rule and, and God's sovereignty in your life can grow and grow big. And along with that, a conviction that, that God's rule can change this world, that God's kingdom can change this world, can grow as well. No matter how big the problem is, or the crisis is, or the challenges, the kingdom of God is bigger. The kingdom of God will always be bigger than anything out there in the world. Jesus has the answer. Because in the very next verse, after this whole thing about the mustard seed in verse 33, the Bible reads as this, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, what does yeast do? I'm no baker, I'm no expert in any of this, but I know enough to know that, that yeast makes things grow. It, and it doesn't just make things grow, it actually does more than that. It transforms things. It works all through the dough to make it something new. And why would Jesus say this? It's what the kingdom of God can do for you and this hurting world. I know these are very difficult times. There is so much going on. We need incredible faith right now in the power of God and the sovereignty of his kingdom to reign over all things in heaven and on earth. We need this now. And so let's pray that God's kingdom will be that light on a hill, that beacon of hope. And that we, God's church, the, the, the manifestation of that kingdom on earth, will be the example of what that looks like in a very real, in a very meaningful way. Amen. Thanks so much.
This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.